Hello and welcome to the Who's He podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're going to be looking at another Target novelisation. And we've picked the um, <clears throat> the all-time classic, that is Time Flight. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh dear, what possessed us? We'll, we'll, we'll soon find out, won't we? We must have been hallucinating. <laughs> Oh, God. Right, OK, let's crack on with the news then before we, we get stuck into that. Um, now, obviously, while we've been away, uh, the new Doctor's, or rather say Jodie Whittaker's 13th Doctor costume has been revealed to the world. And, um, yes, it's had, um, I, would you say, a mixed reaction or a, or a slightly perplexed reaction? I'm not entirely... Well, before we go, what everyone else thought about yeah. it, what, what, what do you think about it, Paul? Um, I quite like it, actually. I think it's... Um... There's enough in there that gives a complete, you know, a throwback to it. It's not completely left field to whatever has gone before it. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's. I think, just got the balance right between in, in giving a new costume. I think I think the, star, the colours and the style would have, as such, worked with either a man or a woman, and I suspect that's sort of what they was going for. Yeah, it's quite a... I, mean, I don't want to sort of be patronised or anything here, but it, it, it's quite a... I was going to say a tomboyish look, isn't it, really? Well, to a certain extent. To a certain extent. I think, yeah. I it's think, the boots and the braces that give it that. So it's the boots and the braces that give it that that, yeah. that look, really. Um, yeah. But, I mean, the coat just reminds me of uh, Romana. Of Lala Ward's Romana, like she yeah. wore in Destiny of the Dalek, just reminds me of that. And and as you said when I, when I tweet or put this up on our Facebook group when the when the news broke, um, you just went mork <laughs> when you looked mm. when you saw the shirt, and quite a few yeah. other people thought exactly the same thing as well. So, and you do wonder whether the the designer hadn't realised that, and as quietly thought to himself. Hmm, that's yeah. That's, there's something familiar about it, so it yeah. must be quite good. I must have got all the elements I wanted of previous doctors in it to get that. And then when the first pictures of <laughs> Robin Williams, the comparison, <laughs> yeah, it started. I wonder if there was like a slight sinking feeling that went on there. Well, the best one, as as you you've mentioned before, we started recording, was someone put the BBC the old 1980s BBC Two logo. Yes, on on the on the shirt, which was a, a stroke of genius. Uh, I, I wish I could yeah. credit the person who did that. I can't remember, but uh, it was an absolute stroke of genius. But uh, now, and if any, and if and if ever it gets repeated, any any episode ever gets repeated on BBC Two, if they don't fade out from that, they don't merge that logo between <laughs> the two, then someone's not doing their job. <laughs> Well, I mean, I agree with you. I I do like it. I think they they've gone for. I mean, I think some people said it was a bit of a clash of colours, and I think that's uh, I don't know, maybe a conscious decision, really, after the very sort of dour Capaldi costumes. Yes, really. Yeah. You know, so it sort of bring a splash of colour back into the show again. And they did. They said all along that it's going to be, um, you know, a, a complete reinvention of the show. Uh, which it basically is every time a new doctor and a new showrunner takes over, you know, yeah. it's, it's nothing, you know, nothing and I, new. And I, pres- and I presume it will evolve and yeah. change anyway. Yeah. I mean, this is probably what we're going to have at the start, and then you would presume there would be variations on the theme. Variations, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, not only that, I mean, obviously the, the thing that caught my eye um, as well in this, this um, photo was the sort of redesigned TARDIS exterior as well. Um, yes, sort of gone a bit more sort of old schoolish, really, hasn't it? Yeah, to a certain degree. Um, you know, the, the the police call box sign um, on the door has has gone from white to black. It was it was blue for quite a long time, wasn't it? Um, on back in the classic era. Um, but yeah, I, I like it. There's this um, the lights different, and there's a strange sort of. Um, have you noticed the beveling on the on the posts on, on each corner of the TARDIS? At the top yeah. and bottom, they've got this strange little beveling that's gone on as well. So, um, and whether I don't know whether they're going to go back to the old, the smaller dimensions on on the exterior as well, because the Taurus prop's got bigger and bigger over the years, isn't it? Yeah. So, I wonder if they'll go back to the old, um, the old sort of smaller box um, from from years ago. But um, no, I mean, already it's, it's got me excited, basically. 
It's, it's got me excited. Yeah. You know, it's, it looks to be a, a, a colourful, um, a colourful start to a, to a new era. It seems. Yeah, uh, and it's just it's it's one of those things. I mean, it's it's certainly not the worst Doctor outfit we've ever seen, is it? Anyway? No, let's be. Per- if we were talking of you know clash of colours, yes, <laughs> and clash of styles, yeah. Um, this has got nothing on Colin Baker's costume. Poor old Colin. No. No, but um, he'd have, he, I suspect he'd have killed for that <laughs> I think he would have done. <laughs> but also, the other rumours coming about as well um, is that there's this sort of rumour going about. There's actually going to be three versions um, of her Doctor split across time, right. and and there's going to be this thing about the. And again, it's all just rumours and stuff that the also that the uh, the Tars can only travel through space and not time as well. So. Um, and the whole ten episode series is going to be made up of basically a, a, a one big ten episode story. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, again, this is all rumours and everything. Um, but I think that there's. What, what, I haven't actually seen the source of these rumours. Just just seen being discussed in, in various I mean, places. It, it um, doesn't surprise me that we're going to end up with a sort of a ten part serial, as opposed to ten individual episodes mm. perhaps of a loose arc yeah um i'm not sure if i'm going to enjoy that but i'm trying to keep an open mind yeah exactly it's i think again it's that it's that fear of the unknown isn't it really um i was i was watching the episode of star trek discovery yesterday and when it, and i thought to myself oh, i don't really want doctor who to start with previously oh no no, my, well, that well, that that's a very American thing, isn't it? You I know, know so, but pre- previously, still... on, previously on Doctor Who, <laughs> yes, <laughs> just, just no, but just to, you know, I quite, I just quite like the idea that every week's a different story, and I'm not quite sure that I'm that much of a a serial person like that. Hmm. Well, time will tell, won't it? Time will tell. Yeah, but um, but it it certainly looks to be um completely different to what's gone before it and but that and again as we said before that's what Doctor Who's all about it's a show about change you know yeah some people like it some people won't you know um, <laughs> having said that I've now just realized where I'm contradicting myself because I actually quite like the war games so. <laughs> <laughs> oh well hoist so, by your own petard there can't be can't be considered to be completely a new idea, really, for Doctor Who. Well, not really. Well, you think about it. I mean, it's just you know we're just used to this different story each week, aren't we? Since yeah. since the show come back, but I mean, you know, back in the day, we watched it as a serial. That's what it was. You had, yeah. you had four or five different stories each season. Um, yeah, and they were classed as serials, really. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't mind you know even three, two or three different stories. I just don't know, you know, <laughs> you just thought, of it, oh, God, if I'm locked into a story I don't really like, <laughs> that's that year's Doctor Who gone. Well, yeah, I think that that is the that is the downside, because <laughs> you, you hear about that in a, a lot with the, like, the DC and the Marvel TV shows. Yeah. You know, you have a, a good season and the next one turns up and it's, oh, it wasn't as good as the other one. They're just, you know, they're just treading water. Um, and then, but then again, they're trying to fill, like, a 22 episode season whereas this yeah. it's, it's 10 episodes and i think yeah, that's the, yeah, the same length as torchwood miracle day oh god you had to bring it up <laughs> didn't you <laughs> now what that's, that's 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 what's really worrying me in the back of my i head. know well the thing is one of the one of the criticisms about the marvel tv shows the netflix ones like daredevil and jessica jones and uh what was the other one luke cage I haven't even watched Defenders and uh, Iron Fist yet. But um, they're 13 episode series, and they said there's enough content in there for 10. Yeah. And there's a lot of filler in there. Um, and if I th- if that's the reason why they've dropped down to 10 for, for this series of Doctor Who, then I'm kind of on board with it, to yeah. be honest. I'd rather have, I think we said this on the last time we recorded, I'd rather have 10 episodes of high quality. Than thirteen episodes of middling quality because they try to stretch yeah. the format. So yeah, um, yeah. but uh, but anyway, when more news breaks on that, we're cool, of course we, we shall um, discuss it uh, when we when we record. Now, um, obviously, while we've been away, there's been some sad news um, around for for the world of Doctor Who as well. We've lost three people 
um, connected to Doctor Who. First of all, we lost director Paddy Russell, um, who died at the age of 89. Um, now, Paddy Russell, I think to my mind, is, is a bit of a a bit of a legend of the world of Doctor Who because, well, she didn't direct that many um, episodes or stories of Doctor Who. The ones she did were basically out-and-out classics. Yes. Really. Um, yeah. You know, and it, I mean, the basically, I mean, our very first episode of, of this podcast was Pyramids of Mars, which she directed. Um, yeah. I think we picked it because it's one of our favourites, really, more than anything yeah. else. You know, um, but... You know, other things like Horror of Fang Rock, she did as well. Um, Invasion of the Dinosaurs. I mean, again, okay, put aside the ropey dinosaur effects. It's a fantastic story and very well done. Yes, yeah. You know, really is. The only one I can't comment on is the, is the Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve, um, which I've, I've never seen. I, I thought it know. was middling. But <laughs> <laughs> no, no, obviously, yeah, no, we've not seen that. I mean, the, the, one of the things, actually, of it is you look at that and you think... Yeah. Why, why didn't you do more? Mm. Was that her choice or was that somebody else's? Well, but... apparently she found it difficult to get along with Tom Baker by the time she did Horror of Fan Rock, so maybe she um, sort of stepped back from that, actually. I don't know. Yeah, but... But for someone who's, who started with Hartnell, there's a big gap there between that and Baker, isn't there, with just just one per- per- of the yeah, yeah, just in one there. story, yeah, yeah. Well, I think, I mean, she did other things. She did um, things like Zed Cars, Within These Walls, um, 321. That's a a bit of a career change, isn't it, doing 321? For those of you who don't know, 321 was a a quiz show um, hosted, was it Ted Rogers, wasn't he? He was was sort of comedian. Um, (laughs) That sort of comedian. (laughs) Yeah, um, who actually did did his national service with my father-in-law, Ted Rogers. Ah, there Um, you go. Yeah, and they actually actually were, were, were very good friends, Funny enough, and they exchanged um, letters and, and Christmas and birthday cards right until the point where Ted Rogers died, basically. Well, so... Were they quite cryptic, the messages? <laughs> <laughs> some of the... That's what I'm saying. Some of those those clues on there were, were beyond cryptic. They, yeah. they were just like downright bloody bizarre, some of them, to be honest. But, <laughs> oh, so... yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, so I mean, very, very sort of sad, really. And you're right, it's a shame she didn't do more. It really is, because yeah. she was a very, very, very good director. Really was. Yes. Um, now, unfortunately, the next, next someone else, you know, next person who, who, who died um, was a bit of a, a hero of mine. Dudley Simpson um, was a, a really prolific composer, um, mainly at the BBC Full Stop, really, not, not just for Doctor Who, um, but he, he contributed to 290 episodes, or at least 290 episodes of Doctor Who, right, and the score to over 60 stories. Um, and, he, and he died at the age of 95 um, I'm just really glad that he was there the night we went to that Doctor Who prom for the 50th yes yeah you know um, and, and so, he yeah. yeah and he got an, I, no he's appreciated exactly exactly I, I think people have sort of knocked his work over the years and they just sort of hold up City of Death um, as his sort of you know his, his greatest achievement but um, to me I mean, when when I heard that he died, I, I tweeted. He he was he epitomised Saturday nights for me. Yeah. You know, I, you know, it's sort of people sort of like associate, you know, the Doctor, um, to to that that their period of their childhood. But I I sort of use his music as well, to be honest. You know, it, it just sums up Saturday, you know, that the early Saturday evenings for me, sitting down on you know in front of the telly watching Doctor Who, and his music just sort of stands out for me, and it always has done. Yeah. You know, um, and even so, and the, the top music he did was, was different all the way through. You know, he did that sort of electronic stuff during sort of Pertwee's era before he went to sort of like the more sort of like woodwind sort of um, sound, sort of orchestral sound, I suppose you could say. Um, and I, I, I just thought when John Nathan Turner binned him, um was about 1980, wasn't it? I, 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 he was sorely missed for me. And now I've come to appreciate the music that came after Dudley Simpson um, from the BBC Radiophonic Workshop. But I just really miss Dudley Simpson. Yeah, and, you know, even though, oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's it's easy as well, you know, if people do knock the music and that. But you know, they sort of make allowances for the fact there wasn't the budget for the effects and whatever. Yeah, but there wasn't the 
the budget that you know what Murray Gold's got in terms of budget for to create music now for Doctor Who's compared to Dudley Simpson then. Yeah, I mean, wasn't it something like something ridiculous? Here, like like a, like a, a four piece band or to to to, to use to, to you know to make these yeah. scores each week. You know, it was something ridiculous like that. Um, I mean, to to continue to to score over sixty stories. I mean, you know. You've got to be pretty damn good, really, to do that. Yeah. You know, I, I you know, I wouldn't really, um, I, I don't agree with the people that that, that knock him. No. To be honest, I really don't. Um, and that's no. not. Yeah, yeah, it it is as much a part of that. Yeah. Era as anybody else, more than probably oh, anybody God, else. Oh yeah. God, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think you know he also wrote the theme tune to Blake Seven, one of the most iconic th- TV theme tunes that come out of the UK, and the Tomorrow People. As well, yeah. I, mean, I mean, so vastly different. I mean, the Tomorrow People theme tune was was really, really. Cre- I still find it a creepy theme tune, and I couldn't watch the opening credits when I was a, when I was a kid. It was the music and that hand that used to come towards the screen in the opening titles. Um, it used to petrify me. You know, and there's something yeah, very, very yeah, haunting yeah. about the Tomorrow People theme tune. So, um, yeah, I, I just think he's um, he's, he's he was really, really. I don't know, underappreciated by certain people. I know the the people at the BBC Radiophonic Workshop um, certainly held him in high esteem. You know, and they all t- tweeted. You know, when when he yeah. when he sort of passed away. You know, sort of like you know, he's a bit of a hero. There's so um, yeah. So you know, it's um, what a legacy to leave behind. Though, so I'm going to say, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I suspect, yeah, the amount of people that obviously followed him that. He basically set the benchmark for. Oh god, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. Um, now, Sandy, the last sort of um, sort of person who passed away connected to Doctor, the actor Scott Fredericks, uh, died at the age of seventy-four. Um, now, Scott Fredericks was in a couple of two Doctor Who stories actually. Um, Day of the Daleks, um, which we did a commentary for a few years ago now. Um, and your what your favourite story, uh, Paul? He, he was in Maximilian Stahl in uh, Image of the Fendal. Yes. Yeah, yeah, um, and he had the sort of the honor of sort of like I don't know, say sort of taking part in one of the, one of the more I don't say dubious scenes of Doctor Who, but um, one of the most sort of ones. I'd say say adult scenes. Ad- yes, yes. The, the, when the, the doc- best phrase to, of that. Yeah, um, when the Doctor hands him the gun to, to basically commit suicide rather than be taken over by the Fendal. Yeah. Um Yeah, and I thought he, he he played that scene really really well. Actually, yeah. very, very sort of hard hitting. I, I, I found, um, and as we mentioned, Blake suddenly appeared in uh, the episode called Weapon um, as well. But um, I think he was, he was in a couple of um, sort of big finish audios um, as well. But he was in other things like Triangle, Z Cars, Dad's Army. I didn't know he was in Dad's Army, um, and Dixon and Doc Green, um, you know, things like that. So you know, it's. Um, uh, he hasn't been in much lately, though, has he? I mean, sort of, he sort of had to sort of disappear over the years, didn't they? You sort of remember him from these things. Then what else were they in? Yeah, you know, sort of one-off things he appeared in. But um, but as it appears with a lot of actors, he's um, he sort of sort of uh, cut his teeth in uh, Crossroads in 1964. That was his first television role. So there we go. There we go. So um, yeah, bit of a bit of a, a, a sad time, really, for. Um, Yes. People connect to Doctor Who. Very sad. So, um, but anyway, let's let's let's, let's write things out. That's some good news. Now, as we're doing a sort of target um, novelisation of this uh, this particular episode, um, it was announced this week that Penguin Books are basically relaunching the target range um, with some new Who stories and and City of Death as well. Hmm. Yeah, now I don't know why they've sort of re- relaunched, chose that one to relaunch, but there you go. But, um, but anyway, the new Who stories we're getting, we're getting uh, Rose, uh, The Christmas Invasion, The Day of the Doctor, and this year's Christmas special, Twice Upon a Time. Uh, now they're going to be, I think, released, I think, in March next year, these uh, these novelisations. Um, what are your thoughts, Paul? Um, well, it keeps the podcast going. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray for us! Yeah, <laughs> your your constant letter writing has finally paid. It's off, paid off, it? indeed, indeed. Um, yeah, I, I think oh, actually, it's, yeah, I, I mean, think it's April. I think it's April next year, not not March. Sorry, but um, yeah, I, I I would hope there's a market for them. 
I hope so. Both both amongst <laughs> the older watcher and reader and, and the younger one as well. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I mean, I, I'm, I'll certainly be... Um, so it'd be, be sort of buying them, certainly. Um, yeah. I'm just beginning to wonder if they're going to be written in the style of the old Target books. Very, very short and sweet. Um, you know, and, and just sort of sticks to the, well, kind of sticks to the story, you know, and sort of embellishes on certain things. Because um, I'm not sure. I'd have thought so. I'd have thought there was no point in doing it, really, unless you're going to do that. Nah, exactly. Well, the only thing I've got. Author I do know is who I think is confirmed based is, is for Twice Upon a Time. It will be novelised by Stephen Moffat. Yeah. Um, I don't know if RTD is going to be novelising Rose and the Christmas Invasion or if, or if Moffat's going to be doing Day of the Doctor. I wouldn't have thought they've got time to do it, really. Well, it depends. I suppose it 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 depends on how much they're there. If they're done in the Target style... Mm. Then a Terence Dix could not, not come out in two weeks. I, well, I was going to say, when, you know, where's Terence Dix when you need him? You know, <laughs> it's been right um, up his street, wouldn't it? I mean, it may well be that they are in that style. They are basically the script and then an embellished version of the script. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, yeah, fine. I mean, I, which obviously we suspect most of the Target books were. Well, I just, I'm just, just just interested to know because I mean, obviously to us growing up, Target books were it was the only way we could relive previous stories. It was, yeah. Um, I, mean, I mean, you know that yeah, that's that's yeah, how I yes, yes we, we was a, even before VHS. You know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? So yeah, I, mean, I mean, that's how I, I connected I, with with Pertwee more because you know you know that he was the as a said many many occasions he's he was the first doctor i can remember watching he's always been my doctor ever since even though i, I saw more tom baker but i was always yeah. more fascinated with pertwee and the only way i could get into pertwee was to read the target no- uh, target novelizations from a yeah. local library that that was my my main route into doctor who really yeah and you just wonder is there gonna be that wish from a younger audience now that they can just put the DVD on if they want to relive that story. Well, I I, I like to think you know they'll they'll pick the up the books you know, the will always books. survive. Yeah, yeah, I I'd like to think so. Um, and I I, I hope there's success, and I hope there's more yeah. to come as well. Yes, um, so do I. Yeah. You know, because I think it'll be interesting to see how they tackle new stories. Yeah. Um, in this, I mean, basically, because you think about it, um, they're only forty five minutes long. These stories they're adapting, well, Rose yeah. certainly is anyway. I know the sort of like the um, the others are about an hour long or so, um, but it's not a lot to write a, a, a novelization really. It's more of a yeah. pamphlet more than anything else. So, so it would be interesting because even with like you know four four or six episode stories, the books are still you know quite slight and they should be because they're written for children really. Yeah. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how, how they tackle. You know the, these one-off forty-five-minute episodes as a novel. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Now, um, moving on, but the last sort of news item we've got um, this Friday, this coming Friday um, on the seventeenth, the seventeenth November, depends when you listen to this. Really, um, it's Children in Need in the UK, and as is traditional in Children in Need, there will be a little feature for Doctor Who, and it appears that this year they're just showing a clip from. Um, twice upon a time so um i'm not too sure when it's going to be on during during the course of the evening but um i think i would say to people if you don't want anything spoiled um don't watch it <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna say yeah. um it, 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 it's it's pretty much part of the course now i think the days of getting a special episode or a special scene or whatever yeah. filmed for this have, have gone now, haven't they? I it's think a, so. It's a shame. It is a shame, really. It was, it was a little something extra to look forward to, rather than just yeah. a little a preview of what was gonna what was gonna come up. Um, yeah, it's sort of an odd bedfellow, really, because the audience aren't really interested in seeing Doctor. It's not Doctor Who's audience, is it? Really, I, I think it's just to get people watching. I think they go try and get as many sort of sections of the demographic or different demographics, I should say, watching it. 
Um, and yeah. just get donated. Well, Children you know. in Need sort of becomes almost a little showcase of the BBC, doesn't it? So you'll get it does a, to a degree, yeah. Strictly something of EastEnders and yeah and whatever, yeah. Follow on. So obviously, Doctor Who has to be in that. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I don't, um, I don't disagree, and I say it's all for a good cause anyway, you know. So, yeah. um, I just know people don't like things spoilt for them. So, um, I, I mean, in previous years, it's usually been shown at least in the first hour or so. So, um, I would assume it'll be it'll be shown in that similar sort of time slot again. So, yeah, yeah, it makes sense for it to be because that's obviously where your target audience. Is yeah, exactly, be exactly. Watching. So, um, so that that's to look forward to. Um, this Friday. Now, um, that's it for the news, but we have a very, very long overdue return to Omega's Tack Corner. You pester me with trinkets! Right, now, um, even though Omega's Tack Corner's been away for quite some time now, actually, um, we've only got one item of tat uh, to bring to you. Um, but it is a doozy. Um, <laughs> it certainly is a doozy. Um, and I... This was sent to us from uh, by Jeff Waddle. Um, thank you, hi Jeff, and thank you. He posted this on our uh, Facebook group. Um, now this is from the Bradford Exchange, an old favourite, isn't it? The Bradford Exchange. Yes. We've, we've they've provided ta- um, for our, our enjoyment on many many an occasion. Um, now this one, um, it is a Doctor Who Tardis sculpted clock, um, which is basically it's a Doctor Who cuckoo clock, really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yes. Now, um, the clock itself, it's in the shape of a TARDIS. Um, at the, you've got the the white, what do you call them? The counterweights at the bottom for the clock are, are two Daleks. Um, yep. You've also got a, a pendulum at the bottom, which has got a Gallifreyan symbol on it, or the seal of Rassilon, I should say. Um, on the clock face, a dawn in each side of the clock face, you've got two weeping angels. Instead of a cuckoo at the top, you have the Emperor Dalek from... <laughs> oh, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. Oh, the, the, Red, the Red Supreme Dalek, I should say. Yep. That comes out the top. Around the bottom, you have um, sort of like the other part of the clock. It's almost like a, like a, what's that, like a barometer. We get the, the, the little lady and the little man cop, uh, pops out. You've got a, a Cyberman, Missy, an Ood, a Sontara, and a, and a Zygon that revolve around the base on the hour. Wow. Um, and it also plays... This is the bit I, I really can't understand. Um, it plays the space-inspired movement Mars from the Planet Suite by Gustav Holst. Yeah. One of um, the Doctor Who theme. <laughs> yeah. Why not something by Dudley Simpson? Uh, yes. Indeed. Or if, or if it's like, you know, modern era, Murray Goals. I mean, you know, yeah. anything, really. I, I would have thought at least the Doctor Who theme tune uh, would, have, would, have, would have played. Yeah. It. Certainly, yeah, but, uh... yeah. It's in its official. It is actually an official. It's not actually. No, this is not a set up as police box. <laughs> I like your, your bird feeder, aren't you? Yes. <laughs> your favourite bird feeder. It is. It is official merchandise. So you'd have thought they could have got the rights to the music. You would have thought so, wouldn't you? Crikey. Um... <laughs> my my thing on this is though, when you start reading through the blurb. Yeah, you get down and it just says "ready to hang." <laughs> I didn't know there should be a question mark after that. <laughs> well, um, you might want to after you bought the damn thing. That's what I'm asking. You know, so... <laughs> does it is <laughs> does it come with a good length of good strong rope as well? To oh, yeah, <laughs> because you you might want to um, do something like that when you see the price actually. Um, Actually, before I do the price, the, the, the dimensions of it um, is 53.34 centimetres in height. That includes the weights hanging down below as well. Um, and 15.24 centimetres in width. And it's ready to pre-order now. Delivery in early December. It's this just in time for Christmas, everybody. However, here comes the kicker. Because it retails at £197.94. pence. And that doesn't include shipping. You've got to put nine pounds ninety nine on top of that for shipping as well. Yeah. Um, but it but it does come with our famous three hundred and sixty five day guarantee. Ah, that's what you want. That's what you want. That's what you're after. You see. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's also limited edition as well. Nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine of these buggers oh, right. are going to be <laughs> around the world. 
Oh, yeah. you do get ah, but you do get a certificate of authenticity as well. <laughs> yeah, you do get. As if, as if that was ever in doubt. <laughs> <laughs> if you pay two hundred pounds for this, someone will come round and certify you. Yes. <laughs> Oh well, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, I, 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 actually, it's pretty hideous, to, to be honest. Um, it, it's trying to do too much, isn't it? Really? Oh God. Um, yes. I, 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 it, <laughs> That's it's an one of those where, where you could have almost have, you know, not not wanting to to say, but if it had just been a clock, a cuckoo clock with the supreme Dalek coming out. Yeah, I think really that would have been enough. I yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, it is. It's so over the top, isn't it? It's sort of like how many iconic creatures or villains can we cram into fifty-three centimeters by fifteen centimeters, basically? Yeah, um, yeah. It, it's not good, is it? It's not good. So, um, yeah. So again, again. An item of tat that we advertise that I won't be purchasing anytime soon. No. No, no. So there we go. There we go. But we keep you informed if either of us get in for Christmas. Yes, indeed. <laughs> oh, God. I don't, th- I don't think... Um, yeah, no, I don't think anyone that I know would waste £195 on this utter load of old crap, basically. So. Oh, dear. So, anyway... That's it for the news, and that is it for Tat Corner. So, uh, coming up next, uh, we're going to be talking about the target novelisation of Time oh, Flight. So, sorry, I should have read oh, this oh, before, to... sorry. No, 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 oh, no, God. breaking news, there, folks, there, breaking there news. Is more, there's more. You know you said about the two Daleks that are, that are at the bottom, yeah. those weights? Yeah. They're, they're actually faux weights. Oh, so they actually serve no purpose whatsoever. So, whatsoever. So, so uh, my argument that, you know, perhaps there's a bit too much going on is, yeah... Oh, sorry, I, I did forget. Also, forget to say that pre-order yours today to avoid disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that really is the end of the news, and that is the end of Tech Corner. So, <laughs> so coming up next, it is surely is going to be next. Um, is we're going to be talking about the target novel of Time Flight. So, for another week, then that was the news. Right, everybody, let's get this over and done with quickly. We're now going to talk about Time Flight <laughs> from Target Books. Uh, <laughs> um, you, speed, you speeded up there, haven't you? You really just want to get this Just get this over and done with, yeah. Um, yeah, this was uh, published in January 1983, uh, written by um, Peter Grimwade, adapted from his own script. Um, and yep. obviously this was released a year after the, uh, the TV version. Okay, now, uh, Paul, you have the... The pleasure of kicking this off. Yes. So, um, what what were your thoughts? My thoughts on this actually, time flight. I'd sort of, to a certain extent, thought I'd buried. Um, <laughs> it's not. It's not an episode that I've, I've a story that I've I've revisited recently. For some reason, it's just you know doesn't doesn't leap out of me at one that I want to watch. Well, there's not many so, reasons to revisit unless you're doing a podcast. To be honest, <laughs> no. This is obviously the joy of this podcast. It actually does make us go back and perhaps and may, yeah. maybe reassess. Yes, yes. So yeah, so I <laughs> I, I I got the book. Um, and he said, as usual, I'll read the book first. Yeah. I started reading through the book, actually. I was thinking to myself, Prassis isn't quite as bad <laughs> as I thought. Okay, yeah. Um, there's somewhere in here, there's there's actually a reasonable story, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pray, uh, pray continue. <laughs> and, 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 and reasonably enjoy it. I, I, I wouldn't say that I necessarily... Um, as each chapter finished, I, I dreaded turning the page and starting again. Oh, with the next chapter. <laughs> I don't know what your thoughts were on that, but no, it, it, it goes by. I actually quite like the Fifth Doctor in Target form. I have to say, there's, I think his character works well. 
in these books. I don't, I don't know if that's just me or not. Um, I don't know. I don't know really. Um, they've always said sort of Davison's Doctor was a bit, a bit bland. What what was the, <laughs> what was that description in one of the Target novels? Was it the, was it the was it the pleasant open face? Faced. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that, that tend to be yeah, open faced was. The, yeah, and I, I think that's thing. that's probably the you know, the the issue with the with his doctor. He never seemed to be in control. Faced. Yeah, well, yeah, not faced, but he never seemed to be in control yeah. of any situation. Really, he always seemed to be on the back foot all the time. He never seemed to appear to be one step ahead. His doctor. Um, and I think this story has the. Sort of the dubious honour of following time uh, of not following time flight is time flight uh, following Earth shock I should yes. say, which was sort of like basically like a um, a stone cold classic and again another another example of the Doctor not being in control of anything. Um, and I must I must admit I'd sort of forgotten just how quickly they got past Edric dying. Well, this is one of, I made a few I seem, notes. I seem yeah. to in my in my in my memory I seem to remember it being you know quite a bit of a. A big scene, yeah, but it's it's no, hard, the, is no. It? The memory cheats to 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 coin a phrase, to coin a, a name of another podcast. Um, no, uh, the the TV version, Adric's death is is brushed over very very quickly. Um, but then in the book, it's even quicker. Yeah, yeah. it's even quicker, and it even it even um, cuts a line where the Doctor says he'll he'll miss Adric as well. Yeah. Um, and it's just so, it's bizarre. It's, why would you cut that line? Yeah, out of a, you know, um, out of a very very short scene anyway. I mean, sure that that scene needed expanded upon more than anything else. Yeah, I mean that that was one. You know, you, you thought, oh, I did read that, and I thought, oh, is that that's that's a bit short. And then we actually watched it, and thought, oh, it's not that much longer. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not. You know, it's it's, it's really. I just I just found that really. What a weird opening to sort of make that bit even shorter. I mean, sure that that's the that's this is the time and the format to actually address the fact. Okay, maybe we skipped over, you know, a companion step a little bit too quickly in the TV serialisation. Let's make it, you know, a bit a bit more hard hitting in the book. No, no attempt I, made whatsoever. You know, I, I suppose in book form you've got the problem that people aren't reading in the right order. Well, maybe not, but I mean, it was, it was a fairly big plot point, really. Especially, yeah, yes. the ghost of Adric pops up later on as well. So, yeah, yeah. You know. I mean, you, I almost wonder had the ghost of Adric not popped up later on, mm. whether it might have been cut completely. Well, you, you could, you, maybe then you could have got away with it, but because that bit was there, um, you couldn't, you couldn't write it that bit have, out. It would yeah. not have made sense at no. that time. No, exactly, exactly. But there was, I mean. Yeah, it's. I mean, time flight is derided in 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 fandom, really, and and for good reason. Um, to be honest, um, a lot of it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, the whole thing with Concord, um, it's just because John Nathan Turner gone in with British Airways, and that was it, really. You know, we can film on Concord, so that that was it. And in the book, it's sort of there's no real explanation as to. Why and it was just a happy coincidence that Concord was flying through this time corridor at the time. That that was it, really. It was it's very it's glossed over in in a sentence. I mean, I, I suppose you know, the fact that Concord was one of the few planes that would fly at that at the right speed and altitude to to hit the um the time hole, if you like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was the point, and I. I it's it's interesting, isn't it? Looking back on on Doctor Who and the thing that's most dated is Concord. I oh, know, I oh, know. It actually feel, makes me feel quite sad, really. Yeah. Because um, that that was you know something you saw daily, Concord flying over London. Yeah. You know, about six o'clock, um, you'd hear the roar of those those Rolls Royce engines going over, and everybody looked up. It didn't matter how many times you saw it; you always looked up and watched Concord yeah. because it and was scripted. Yeah, I was going to say because it was so unlike any other aircraft. Yeah, you know, there's there's nothing like it before, nothing like it since. You know, so um, 
I mean, for that point of view, yeah, it's iconic. Um, but then again, I can't imagine British shows would have sacrificed a second Concorde to fly through a time a time um, corridor, we want to call it. So, um, but yeah, I mean, oh, I, they I, knew I, they were scrapping them anyway. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, and, and actually, in the book, there is some quite nice descriptions of it. Yeah, of how that it look, doesn't look out of place in the sort of prehistoric world because it just looks like a a large bird. Yeah. Actually, one, talking of Concord, one of the things that did make sense in the book um, is when it is um, the description of the passengers on the first Concord that went missing because they were they were like um, pop stars and financiers, basically rich people. Yeah. Because they were the people who could, uh, the only people who could, who could afford to fly on Concord. Yeah. And, and you've got the <clears> professor's <throat> comment later, isn't it, that you know, it's probably the first day's work most of them have done. Yeah, and now that that line doesn't make any sense in the TV version because you've got these very sort of bland, drab people <laughs> carrying out the Masters Tardis. So what? They, these are the these are the pop stars and financiers of their day, are they? You know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, there wasn't a new romantic amongst one of them, was there? So. <laughs> and actually, in the book, it, it talks about their. Their dirty and torn clothes, you know, uh, expensive clothes. Yeah. Which actually in the TV show, they're all still wandering around pristine suits, aren't they? Exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, God. But the other thing as well is when they when they do go back into... This is one thing I can't actually quite... Maybe I've missed something here. Maybe I just wasn't paying attention enough to the, to the TV show or the book, actually. Um, they're sort of transported back to the beginning of the Ice Age. As the, doc- as the doctor says in the book, and they got the description of their breath misting in the air and the earth being frosty um, and everything, which was, you know, which you know, which which is great. It sort of set the scene a bit more. Um, but where did that temple come from? Yeah, there was no explanation as to where that temple came from. Well, uh, we presume it was built by the Xerophon when they first landed, because they didn't land as a. Um, a hive. I don't know what what. what there were loads. How, yeah, they just merged their them so the sort of psychic energy into one being, didn't they? That was the yeah. That when was they the arrived, thing. they arrived. They were still dying of the radiation, weren't they? Yeah. So to save so. themselves. But in that time, did they actually build the temple? Yeah. To hold their um the apparatus that kept them together as one consciousness yeah there's no real explanation about how it was how it was built why it was there you know yeah um i mean what what would have been to a certain extent nice for the book to have done mm. i'm not sure it would necessarily have spoilt the story too much was if we'd have had an opening chapter that was them arriving on earth yeah yeah, so a little, little sort of prologue or something. Yeah. Just to sort of... even if it got to the point, even if it stopped then at the point where they've built the temple, but they're still dying. Yeah, and it stopped there, so you don't quite know what's happened to them after that. Mm. No, that makes could that, have that... been a could have been a good start to the story. Yeah, it could have been, it could and have would been. have made would have then set the scene for everything that followed, and would have made more sense of of these parts. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I just I was going to say, um, you know, sort of, you know, saying sort of like things you you could have done. Some of the things he, another things that he didn't do as well was when the um, the airport controller, that the Douglas Sheard character, is talking to Sir John uh, Sir John Subbury. Now on the television uh, version, it's just a one sided conversation. You don't hear the voice of Sir, of Sir John Subbury, um, but in the book, it's still a one sided conversation. Why? Yeah. You can do what you like, and you can add surely add his dialogue into the book i i, I can well, never i can never understand why why they why they do this sort of thing and we had this conversation last week the uh, last last episode talking about oh with the could um, they, yeah. they couldn't use the brigadier yeah <laughs> we were saying about one-sided tele- telephone conversations well <laughs> it's not a new idea <laughs> well obviously it's not but the thing is you can't say like you know they couldn't have the book because the actors died there was no answer no. to begin with, so again, oh. I can't see any excuse why you just couldn't have the whole conversation. But um, 
Yeah. <laughs> I never, never uh, did. I, I suspect it was it was down to costs in the on the TV, and then basically he just didn't bother. That that was how it was written for the script. Yeah, so that's yeah. how it ended up in the book. Well, another weird scene that was cut from the book as well, um, and it just really, really jarring actually, is when um, at the end of the story, when Alpha Charlie, the the the, the called the Doctor's on, um, appears again on the radar. That bit's cut completely from the book. It doesn't even show yeah. you. Um, it just cuts from the Master's TARDIS suspended in midair over the top of the over the top of the air, airport roof. And it, then it just cuts the three Conkle parts, giving Sheard a debriefing. Yeah. And it doesn't even... It, why it cut that scene out, I don't know. But the other way, the only thing that did make um, maybe a bit more sense in the book um, is that they're only missing for 10 minutes, but on the TV version, they're missing for 24 hours. Yeah. I think the 10-minute bit is is better, actually. Yeah. Because, yeah, that makes more sense. If they're coming down a time corridor, then it yeah. doesn't matter how long they've been on uh, prehistoric Earth. Earth or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, no, I, I thought I, that lot, but I just don't, I couldn't understand why I cut the scene of them appearing on the radar again. Yeah. That that doesn't make any, any sense at all. But, um, but some of the stuff I did like, there's sort of like more of um, sort of Tegan's inner monologue. As well, because um, obviously she she's gone back to back to Heathrow. Basically, this is where she's supposed to be working, really, isn't it? Um, and sort of like her inner monologue of not wanting to having to explain why she'd been missing, yeah, all this time. Um, and also like she as well, not wanting to discuss matters with junior staff, meaning her. She's just a you know a cabin crew, you know. Yeah. So um, things like that. But at the end. Um, it showed Tegan at the end of the book. It showed Tegan being in two minds, whether to go back to her old life or to continue travelling with the Doctor. Yeah, in in the book, you almost get a sort of, it's almost a will she or won't she. Yeah, and you're not actually. There's almost like almost a cliffhanger in the book, as in you're not quite sure where she's run off to. No, because because it says she sees the the flight for Sydney. Yeah, and realizes she has to hurry. Yeah, and, it, and then it goes back to the doctor. Yeah, at the TARDIS, it just leads you into it, it's it's it leaves it open right until the very end. Yeah, you know, yeah. and I, I I like that, but but the TV version, it's just like she's having a quick one last look around the airport. She says she's actually looking for the Costa Coffee, isn't it? And it's just <laughs> <laughs> other coffee stores are available. Yes, uh, indeed, yes. But yeah, that, that's what it's like, isn't it? It's just you know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's oh dear. Yeah, for for once, then the book does actually make up for that bit. It, it, it as you yeah. say, it, it puts a bit of doubt in your mind, really. So I quite, I quite like that. Um, the other and, thing, and actually, oh, sorry, actually yeah. what the book did well was, um, I think, the two bits where where the Zeraphin are, are calling to the Doctor when he's in the cloud yes the uh, plasma and also yeah yeah and also tanissa as well i think that's that is done well in the book yeah i think the the description of the plasmatons was obviously the the effects budget and basically the effects themselves couldn't realize this but the in the book they they trap people by oozing into one another and and the people becoming gorged as it says in the book engorged in trembling matter like solids digesting in the gut of an animal. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds horrible. And are carried away, yeah. Yeah, rather than just some blokes in a in a slipper man costume. Costume. Yeah. <laughs> that was my that was my fault when I watched it. <laughs> That's one for you Genesis fans out there. Um <laughs> yeah, so um and then with with some like blowing some fairy liquid bubbles at the screen. <laughs> Well, one minute it's very liquid right, bubbles, explains, the next it's some smoke effects. That explains why the hands are getting slippy, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Can't get you very liquid. Very liquid, yeah. <laughs> Your hands are soft. <laughs> <laughs> hands that do dishes are as soft as your plasmatons. 
Um, no, I, I, I did. I prefer. I did like that description of the plasma tons. It, it made it a bit more disgusting um, yes. and a bit more sort of alive than some, as you say, some blokes shuffling around in rubber rubber costumes. Um, I mean, I mean, it has to has to be said. I'm watching this episode. What, what I know this is supposed to be the book review, but watching the DVD after the film, after reading the book, sorry, the book, watching yeah. the DVD after reading the book, it is just like you're just watching this and thinking. Is this actually the lowest that Doctor Who special effects got to? This episode, it, it does make you wonder if they just blew the budget on Earthshock, really. So, yeah, I mean, because this, this was the last, the, this was the last but, of that season, wasn't it? So, even even the quarry scenes they did in a studio. <laughs> I know, I, I couldn't quite figure that out. No, and that model of Concord was appalling. It really was. Um, if, if if ever an episode was 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 aimed at being filmed in a big open quarry with nothing else there, this was it. Yeah, it, <laughs> no. this was begging for it actually. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. We're, we're we're just paint a bit of background. Yeah, um, exactly. A bit of a backdrop. I got the polystyrene so- rocks. In. Yeah, cyclorama <laughs> and some polystyrene. Right here we go. <laughs> Um, there's, one, there's actually one other thing before we get on to something um, we were sort of discussing whether to bring this up or not. Um, I just yeah. want to talk about Professor Hater's death. Um, his death in the book was a lot more dignified than yes. Nigel Stock's overacting that, that you got on the TV version. Um, I liked all the, the different sort of phase he, he was going through as he was trying to connect with the Xerophim. The Xerophim weren't really described at all in the book either, were they? When they no, took form. No, because no. they weren't very well realised on the TV. Um, maybe it's just best just to sort of gloss over it full stop, really. Um, maybe Pete, Peter Grimm, I didn't care. Who knows? No. But it's, it's weird not to have at least a, at least a brief description of, of what they're looking at, you know. Very peculiar, but um, yeah, perhaps he just thought it was best to leave it to our own imagination. Maybe, maybe, but um, but I so I did, I did like the the you know the, the death of um, of Professor Hater. In, in I mean, book. I actually yeah. quite like that as a story point, and I think that sort of works well in the fact. And, and actually, in the book, he comes across as a more rounded character. Yeah, you've got the complete disdain for the Doctor at the start. Yeah, but. Once the doctor actually almost puts some faith in him, and you know, in saying that you know I need you to come with me because you're yeah. the one who can cope best. Yeah, because he's sort of held the, out, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the hallucinations with that, and I, it comes, he suddenly starts to warm to the doctor, and by the time of his death, he's actually, you know, it is it is literally the I've got so much to learn. Yeah. I mean, but he's a very believable death of a character. Well, yeah. I mean, I think to begin with, and I think it's and certainly on the te- on the televised version, he's the sort of character that um, Pertwee's Doctor would would butt heads with. Yeah, you know that that self important, you know, scientist professor who won't believe anything the Doctor says, and you know, he, he's always sort of you know. The sort of character that the, the Pertwee's Doctor would take great delight in putting down at, at any given opportunity, you know. Um, and I think this is probably why Davison's Doctor, while, while he might be sort of internally, he might be sort of like, oh, for God's sake, you know, be quiet, man. Um, outwardly, he'd always be charming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, so I suppose after Pertwee and Baker's Doctors, you, it, it was something different, wasn't it? But I think he was a little bit yeah. too laid back, really, in, in, in these situations. But, uh, but anyway, um, now, the thing we wanted, or sort of in two minds we were to discuss, was um, the Khalid character. Yes. Um, reading, reading the book... Yes. It slightly... Started to think, well, this is a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, with this, with where this is going, and and actually thinking that, um, for the for the stick that Talons gets, and we get the well, you know, that was the that was the seventies for you. Mm. <laughs> this is the eighties. <laughs> well, the well, the eighties well, well, no, it hadn't. The early eighties weren't much better, to be honest. Oh. Um, yeah, that it is a 
oriental caricature, basically, yes. or stereotype, I should say. Very uh, much so. Even down to like, uh, uh, the, you know, the Fu Manchu yeah. beard and the and the moustache and everything. Um, and the inscrutable attitude. Yeah, well. exactly. Um, but the book is even more. Um, well, that is racist. Out, 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 bloody racist, yeah. really. Um, now, I'm not offend anybody here, but this is this is how he's described um, in the book. He's described with a yellow Oriental face. Yeah. That's how the author described this character. Um, yeah, th- there's not really any excuse for that, really, is there? No, there really is no excuse for that. Um, but that the whole character itself. Is completely pointless. Yeah, what, I mean, what? It, it just was. It just was a way, as as they like to do, to hide the master until the, the second half of the series. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Um, but the thing, and is it though, has to be said, that the TV, although wasn't trying to be necessarily, wasn't wasn't as overtly going to that. Um, yeah, the performance of the Khaled wasn't great, was it, even on the TV? No, well, the thing is, though, I, I, it doesn't make any sense, to f- f- plot-wise, as to why the Master dis- disguised himself as yeah. this. Because he, he'd been obviously been ma- maintained that disguise long before the Doctor appeared on the scene. Um, and they, they tried to sort of explain this in the book by saying it was a focus for the evil Xerophin. But why is that any... Why Why? Why does he need to, for them to focus? He's the master. He's evil. Yeah. They could have focused on that anyway. And especially as they make mention of the renegade Time Lord arriving there. So they already know who he is. So why the why this pretense with the Khalid disguise? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who, who is he trying to fool? Exactly, Mr. <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> Are you trying to kid Mr. Hitler? So, <laughs> yeah, there, there is, there is the point that. I mean, unless it is the fact that <coughs> having killed the the first three Xerophon to uh, uh, <clears throat> materialize or to be a uh, uh, disengage themselves from the consciousness. Mm. As the master, he felt, oh, I better disguise myself if I want to try and talk to the rest of them. I don't know. It's a bit bloody elaborate, though, isn't it? I mean, but, come but, on. But, but, but for what, for what <laughs> the Doctor turns around and says, this is one of the greatest <laughs> intelligences around. <laughs> oh, <laughs> if no. I was fooled by that disguise, then <laughs> I'm not quite so sure. <laughs> oh, God. I think, I think this this is the the, the the whole problem with this story really. It, it's the Carlid thing. And it's and as you say, it's just an excuse to hide Anthony Ainley from the Radio Times at that particular point yeah. in time. Um but yeah, yeah. this 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 story, unfortunately, is I think it's a good idea in terms of it. Mm. But it is just a vehicle to bring back the master. Yeah. And the weakest part of the story is bringing back the master. Yeah. Yeah, and also shoehorning in Concord to make that integral to the plot, just yeah. just just because they could film on Concord. That, yeah. that you know that was it really. So um, I mean, it's always nice to see Concord, obviously, but you know, um, but as far as you know, you know, you you could you could have come up with something else for the plot. I, I don't. I'd like to know whether Peter Grimwell had written this script before. Uh, Jane Teeter around and said, "Right, you've got to put Concord in this story." I'm beginning to wonder how much this is retrofitted. Oh, oh and by the way, we've got to hide Anthony Angley in, in the Radio Times again. So, yeah, can you, you know, disguise him in the story? So, it, it does make you wonder how how much came before or after story wise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> I mean, I I, I I can accept the Concord thing. I, I, yeah, I think it works in the sense that it may have needed something that obviously that went at that sort of speed carried a lot of passengers because you needed a workforce Mm -hmm. and flew at that sort of altitude so yeah all right fair enough that that makes sense that if you're going to drag something for a time whole then yeah concord is is as good as any i don't i don't think it had to necessarily be concord but it's 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 as good a fit as any and probably yeah yeah okay yeah the fact the fact the fact of yeah the 
the master in disguise, yet, as you say, is just a a total... Um, I mean, I suppose our, the, the plot point is, here is, is the Doctor... Is the master abducting the plane because he knows that will bring the doctor's interest so he can get hold of the doctor's TARDIS. Well, no, in which case, that's why he's in disguise. Or... Well, no, because apparently, doesn't he say when the first Concord came through, it was a happy accident. He didn't mean for it to happen. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to get Concord to go through. It just happened. Right. So I think getting two come through and the set will contain the doctor which is an added bonus i think that was as i say there was no real reason for it to happen it, it wasn't by design it was just an accident well perhaps he was actually trying i mean this is this is the limitations of this story and the book yeah for explaining it perhaps he was actually trying to grab the tardis with the time scoop and obviously because the the doctor was taking up roughly the same space it could have been the, 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 yeah Concord started to take up the same space. It grabbed the Concord bike instead. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? We'll never know, will we? We'll, no. we we're just left with this. <laughs> oh, no. Another thing getting back to I, mean, I, I know. Uh, I mean, the, the, the book is so so, but it is just, you just can't watch, not watch the. I mean, I suppose we should be saving any ideas and time flight in case we ever get round to doing a commentary of it, but I'm not in a rush to watch it again to do a commentary. No, no, exactly. But, no. but I, do, I do quite like the fact that, that Concord air, air Control is somewhere in a cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't let them into the flight tower. <laughs> you have to sit down in the basement. Sit down in the, the basement, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know. Yeah, you're right. I didn't notice that actually. Yeah, <laughs> he's shunned by the rest of air traffic control. Has <laughs> to work in a cupboard. You didn't. You didn't see like Philip Schofield and Gordon the Gopher just waiting to in the wings to come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I suppose it leads us now to sort of like to, to wrap this up. Really, is to say, will we recommend this book? <laughs> Not particularly. No, no, I wouldn't either. I wouldn't recommend this one. It is um... no, not, not unless you've read the others and you can't wait till they bring out the new sets. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to say if you're looking for answers to explain, you know, all the plot holes and, and the sheer stupidity of some of the plot points uh, and characters in Time Flight, um, this book does not answer any of those <laughs> any no. of those arguments at all. No. It really doesn't. No, it really doesn't. So. Um. Yeah. Okay. So we'll leave that there. Yes. We'll leave that there. We'll leave that there. So, um, when we're back next, um, I think we we're back to our series one retrospective again, aren't we? Yes. It's time for that. And uh, yes, we it's to do the final part of the two parts, uh, Slovene story. So we're up, we're up to uh, World War Three. <laughs> we're really spoiling ourselves in the oh, listeners at the moment, aren't we? Bennett, we'll have to, when it's time for a big finish, we'll have to do another good big finish again, I think. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so, so between now and the next episode, uh, we'll have decided what we're going to do for big finish. Yeah. He says, hopefully. So. <laughs> okay, everybody. So um, I think that just about wraps this episode up, doesn't it? It does, yes. It does indeed. does indeed. So anyway, it's goodbye from me, Phil. And goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. Podcast. 
please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He Podcast Facebook group. The Who's He Podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance.